Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Metro 2021 third quarter results. At this time, all lines are listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. The call is being recorded on Wednesday, August 11th, 2021. I would now like to turn the conference over to Mr. Sharon Kadash. Please go ahead. Thank you, Anes. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Our comments will focus on the financial results of our third quarter, which ended on July 3rd. With me today is Mr. Eric Laflèche, President and Chief Executive Officer, and François Thibault, Executive VP and Chief Financial Officer. During the call, we will present our third quarter results and comment on its highlights. We will then be happy to take your questions. Before we begin, I would like to remind you that we will use in today's discussion different statements that could be construed as forward-looking information. In general, any statement which does not constitute a historical fact may be deemed as a forward-looking statement. Expressions such as expect, intend, are confident that, will, and other similar expressions are generally indicative of forward-looking statements. The forward-looking statements are based upon certain assumptions regarding the Canadian food and pharmaceutical industries, the general economy, and our annual budget, as well as our 2020-2021 action plan. These forward-looking statements do not provide any guarantees as to the future performance of the company and are subject to potential risks, known and unknown, as well as uncertainties that could cause the outcome to differ materially. A description of these risks, which could have an impact on these statements, could be found under the risk management section of our 2020 annual report. As with the preceding risks, the COVID-19 pandemic constitutes a risk that could have an impact on the business, operations, projects, synergies, and performance of the company. We believe these statements to be reasonable and pertinent at this time and represent our expectations. The company does not intend to update, to update any forward-looking information except as required by applicable law. I will now turn the call over to Francois. Thank you, Sharon, and uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, this quarter, we cycled very strong sales and earnings last year at the height of, of the pandemic. And in order to provide a better indication of performance, we're also highlighting sales and earnings growth over the third quarter of 2019. So for the quarter, uh, total sales uh, uh, were at $5.7 billion versus $5.8 billion last year, a decrease of 2%, but up 9.4% when compared to the third quarter of 2019. Food same-store sales declined by 3.6% for the quarter, but grew 11.4% on a two-year basis for an annual compounding growth rate of 5.6%. Pharma same-store sales were up 7.6% versus last year. Our gross margin stood at 19.8% of sales versus 20% for the same quarter last year. Operating expenses represented 10.5% of sales versus 10.7% last year, and COVID-19-related expenses amounted to $38 million for the quarter, and that includes an $8 million uh, of amount in gift cards that were given to frontline employees versus $107 million of COVID expenses in the last quarter last year. And third quarter last year, sorry. 
The decrease of $69 million in COVID costs was partly offset by an increase in other operating expenses, mainly related to activities and services that have been reinstated after initially being paused at the start of the pandemic, such as MHR, MHR, hot foods, advertising and marketing, etc. Operating expenses also include non-recurring costs of approximately $8 million incurred in, tr- in a transition to our new fresh DC in Toronto due to early inefficiencies and the duplication of certain tasks as both DCs were operating at the same time for a few weeks. EBITDA for the quarter totaled $533.6 million, a decrease of 1.7% versus last year and represented 9.3% of sales. That's the same margin as last year. On a two-year basis, EBITDA was up 26.1%, which represents a solid annual compounding growth rate of 12.3%. Adjusted net earnings were $261.2 million compared to $272.3 million last year, a decrease of 4.1%. Our adjusted net earnings per share were $1.06, down 1.9% versus last year's adjusted EPS of $1.08. And again, when we compare this to fiscal 2019, Adjusted EPS grew by 17.8% for an annual growth rate of 8.5%. Our capital expenditures for the, for the third quarter totaled $174.2 million, up $38.4 million versus last year. As expected, higher CapEx is mainly the result of our ongoing investments in the modernization of our supply chain as well as in-store technology. At the retail level, since the beginning of the fiscal year, we opened two Metro Plus stores, one Adonis in the province of Quebec, one Food Basics in Ontario. We also relocated another Food Basics and carried out major renovations in eight stores, representing a net increase of 236.8 square feet, thousand square feet, or 1.1% of our food retail network. As I mentioned earlier, investments in technology at store level are also ongoing. At the end of the third quarter, we had about 300 stores equipped with self-checkouts and 140 stores with electronic shelf labels. Under our current normal course issue with the program, we have repurchased between November 25 of last year and July 30th of this year, 5.875 million shares for a total consideration of 333.6 million, representing an average share price of $56.78. That's it for me. I'll now turn it over to Eric. Thank you, Francois, and good morning, everyone. We are pleased with our solid third quarter results as we cycled an exceptionally strong performance last year at the height of the pandemic. Sales and earnings declined slightly versus Q3 2020, but on a two-year basis, we delivered sales growth of 9.4%, EBITDA growth of 26.1%, and adjusted earnings per share growth of 17.8%, which we believe is more indicative of our underlying performance. For the quarter, as Francois said, food same-store sales were down 3.6%, but up 11.4% when compared to fiscal 2019. Our internal food basket inflation was 1%, half of what we experienced in Q2. With the rollout of the vaccine and the gradual lifting of restrictions, we saw traffic improve year over year for the first time since the beginning of the pandemic. Basket size, however, was down as customers increased their store visits. Promotional penetration continues to increase quarter over quarter, and we are getting close to pre-pandemic levels. Online grocery sales increased by 19% versus last year and more than five times over 2019 as we added capacity by expanding the service to new regions, deploying click and collect, and with our partnership with Corner Shop. 
In June, we opened our first dedicated online store to serve customers in Montreal, replacing three of our hub stores. This centralized facility will offer more delivery windows to customers and improved operating efficiencies while delivering the same quality, assortment, and freshness that customers expect when shopping in-store. We are on track with our deployment plan for the Clifton Collect service with 119 metro stores now offering the service out of the 170 planned by the end of this fiscal year. This, along with the recent expansion of home delivery and click and collect in the Ottawa region, will expand our reach to more than 75% of Quebec and half of the Ontario population. We remain confident in our strategy, which allows us to add capacity with reasonable investments to meet the pace of demand growth. Turning to pharmacy, comparable sales were up 7.6% in the quarter and 8.6% versus 2019 with prescription drugs up a strong 9.3%, driven by higher prescription counts as medical consultations resume. Commercial sales were up 3.8%, with most pharmacies gradually returning to regular opening hours. Our pharma performance was also positively impacted by the administration of vaccines and the new medical services now offered by pharmacists. We proudly contributed to the vaccination effort through our network of pharmacies and four central vaccination sites we sponsored with other corporate partners, which altogether administered over 500,000 doses. The month of June marked the completion of two other important milestones with the integration of our pharmacy distribution activities and the deployment of Jean Couture retail systems to our Brunet pharmacies. As mentioned on our last call in April, we anticipate annual recurring savings of about 10 million starting next year in distribution and warehousing costs as we will service our pharma network as well as the Metro and Super C stores in Quebec for health and beauty products from one facility. Turning to the modernization of our supply chain, our new semi-automated Produce DC in Toronto is now fully operational as we completed the transfer of all of our stores from the old Produce Warehouse. The transition and ramp-up of the new facility generated additional costs in the quarter, which we expect will partially remain in Q4 and hopefully be behind us by the end of the fiscal year. The new fully automated frozen DC is almost complete, and we will soon start the commissioning of the new automation systems in time for a January 2022 opening. Looking ahead, while we can't predict exactly how the pandemic will evolve, we expect our food sales to decline in Q4 versus last, year, last year's high levels, but to compare favorably to fiscal 2019. In our pharmacy division, we expect continued growth from prescriptions, and the easing of restrictions should have a positive impact on certain categories that were negatively affected by the pandemic, such as beauty, cosmetics, and cold and flu products. We'll now take your questions. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we now begin the question and answer session. Should you have any questions, please press star followed by one on your judge's phone. You will hear three tone prompt acknowledging your request and your question will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift your hands up before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. Your first question comes from Irene Natal with RBC. Please go ahead. 
Thanks and good morning, everyone. Uh, if we could just start very quickly with sort of the last thing you said, Eric, on, on pharmacy. Um, we're hearing from others that acute RX is still down about 10 to 15%. Is that uh, the case at PJC or, or are we starting to see uh, better recovery there? Acute RX, I'm sorry? Well, just sir, so the prescription count for um, you know, sort of as opposed to the the chronic conditions, but that basically overall RX volumes per pharmacy are still below pre-pandemic levels, but recovering. Is that what you guys are seeing? In other words, um, are we should we see an acceleration in performance of PJC as we move through the next couple of quarters? Well, we're very happy with the performance of PJC and Brunet in the quarter. Uh, there's a nice comeback especially in prescription drugs versus last year. You have to remember last year at pharmacy, uh, doctor's offices, uh, there was a lot of uh, closures and, uh, and restricted opening hours, restricted, restricted access. So prescription counts were, uh, uh, except for the loading up front in the, in the quarter, prescriptions counts were, were, were softer. Uh, I think we're back to pretty normal, more, much more normal levels. I don't have a split between acute and chronic, to be honest, Irene but we're very pleased with the 9.3% RX growth, um, uh, and we expect to, to have good growth going forward. That's great, thank you. And then just uh, moving on to the bigger business. Um, inflation, you noted, was basically half of prior quarter's levels. What kind of discussions are you having at this point with uh, the supplier community? And, you know, recognizing that it's challenging to, to anticipate, what's your general expectation around inflation as you move through Q4 and into 2022? So the inflation number is down this quarter, mostly on the uh, driven by produce uh, deflation. Um, it's aggressive out there in produce, and, and there are market conditions that, that support that aggressiveness in the general market. Uh, that, that's the main driver. Uh, discussions with our suppliers, we're, we're uh, hearing uh, for, for um, demands for increases uh, in packaged goods. Um, there, there, were, there were some cost increases in the meat uh, department uh, this past quarter. It's a, it's a tight market. It's volatile, so some weeks... Uh, supply supply can be tightened, and there are some cost increases that we that we have to live with, and try try to to pass on. I would say generally the expectation is that um, given all the um, cost increases that uh, uh, on labor and other aspects of of uh, supplies and transportation, uh, I think we can expect generally this fall that there should be uh, some more inflation at retail. But again, uh, we we will have to wait and see. Uh, we fully intend to remain competitive. It's a competitive market out there. I don't expect inflation in our fourth quarter to be that much different from our third quarter. Bookings are, are, are in place and merchandising plans are in place. Uh, but I would expect uh, some, 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 some inflation to be reflected at retail in a more pronounced way this fall. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Mark Petrie with CIBC. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning. Um, obviously, um, there's been you know significant shift in consumer behavior through the course of the pandemic. I'm just wondering, as restrictions have been lifted over the last number of months, um, have you seen overall behavior sort of move you know closer to some semblance of normalcy and sort of pre-pandemic 
you touched on traffic and basket, but I'm wondering about stuff like, you know, promo penetration, private label, uh, as well as category mix. Yes, we are seeing a gradual shift to more uh, normal pre-pandemic behavior. Um, I think the discount channel in general is, is benef benefit benefiting from that versus conventional, whereas conventional uh, had a big uplift uh, during the pandemic, as, as, as you all know. Uh, promotional levels are, are, are back to uh, almost pre-pandemic levels. We're very close to that, as I said in my, my opening remarks. So uh, I think you can, you can, going forward, expect that to be, to be back to normal levels. Our private label penetrations are up. Um, I think pe private label penetration increased uh, throughout the pandemic and is, and is continuing, to, continuing to stay at a higher level, which is a good thing. So uh, we're, ple we're, we're pleased with that. So um, I would say, yeah, the, the consumers are uh, shopping around a little more uh, with the easing of restrictions. We're seeing that in, in uh, the number of visits. We're seeing that in the lower basket year over year. Uh, traffic is not back uh, to where it was two years ago, and the basket is higher than it was two years ago, but we're seeing a shift for sure. And And discount is still below what it would have been pre-pandemic but is growing faster than conventional today is that is that fair to say um in general terms yes at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Okay. Uh, and, and then just with, with regards to gross margin, um, you know, it's up modestly from, you know, two years ago. Uh, can you just share some commentary on the moving parts behind that? I mean, I know you don't segment between, um, between food and pharmacy, but obviously there's a lot of variables uh, between the segment mix as well as category mix. So any commentary would be, uh, would be helpful um, just with regards to the drivers and then the, the sustainability or outlook for gross margin. Well, the gross margin uh, is down slightly, uh, 20 basis points over la versus uh, last year in the quarter. Uh, food is, is food gross margin was down. Uh, we said clearly last year that the large basket uh, with uh, lower promotional ratios uh, was favorable to gross margin. So as we cycle that with with a smaller basket and more promotions. Uh, you, you, do the, you can do the math, it's, it's, uh, it has an impact on gross margin. Uh, the good news is that pharmacy was strong in the quarter um, and, and helped uh, on the gross margin. So net-net, so we're pleased with our performance. And, uh, uh, the diversification of our business model uh, is, uh, is, you know, is a benefit, and, uh, and we're pleased with that. Going forward, you know, I'm not going to give you guidance on gross margin, but... Um, 
we 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 uh, we will be competitive, and we will we, we will balance the top line uh, and the bottom line as best we can. Sorry, just to follow up, um, just to clarify, with regards to the food gross margin, um, I understand sort of down versus the elevated levels of last year, but is it fair to say it's still elevated from sort of pre-pandemic levels, and and the main driver of that would be the higher sales level, or is there something else to consider? Oh, it's, it's it's getting comparable to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, yeah, the baskets the baskets higher than pre-pandemic level, but the margin is in the same ballpark. So again, I don't want to give you too much uh, precise details like that. I, I think the the comment I made is uh, is the answer I have. Understood. Appreciate all the comments and all the best. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Your next question comes from Vishal Sridhar with National Bank. Please go ahead. Hi. Um, thanks for taking my questions. Um, just want to get your comments on, uh, you know, the acquisition opportunity that you see in the market, if any. I know uh, some firms competitors are seeing uh, opportunity in, uh, in consulting, independence, and in, in more rural areas. Wondering if, if that's something that would appeal to Metro or if, or if you have uh, other sites and other Types of deals. I'm sorry, uh, Vishal. I could not hear your question. Oh, uh, can you can you hear me better now? Uh, yeah, that's a little better. You said acquisitions, and then what? Uh, sorry. Yeah. So uh, sorry about that. So I was just uh, t referring to the acquisition market and what Metro sees. I, I know there's uh, pharmacy um, peers that are uh, uh, consulting rural markets. I'm wondering if that's an appeal to Metro or, or if there's other types of deals that are uh, appealing to Metro. So, you know, we're always on the lookout for acquisition opportunities in food and pharma in Canada, so the, there's no change there, uh, no announcements to make. Yeah, yes, we're, we're aware of a, a new quote-unquote player consolidating uh, small rural pharmacies in Ontario. Um, uh, you know, we're... We, we are interested in making acquisitions that make sense for us, um, and, and we'll be, we'll be, we continue to be on the lookout, but there's, there's nothing, uh, no change and nothing imminent. Okay, thank you for that color. And um, with respect to Adonis, I know during the height of the pandemic, it had a, a little bit of challenge with respect to the prepared food categories and uh, perhaps labor availability. Wondering how that uh, banner is performing now and if it's uh, back to pre-pandemic levels or, or, or above. Um, yeah, Adonis, uh, with a mix of stores, which is largely in, in, in urban areas, Montreal and Toronto, um, mostly Montreal, um, uh, it, it's not. It, it's, it's been uh, it's been a challenge throughout the pandemic, and remains a, a bit of a challenge today because of all of our uh, some of our urban stores are are seeing lower lower traffic these days with uh, the summer and the restaurants opening up and vacations and whatnot. So. Um, uh, banners still doing well, but uh, we're, we're not quite back to, to pre-pandemic levels, uh, uh, and we're confident that uh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there soon as as COVID restrictions ease more and more, and people are getting their shots. So uh, I will leave it. Okay. Uh, thanks for that color. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Peter Sklar with BMO. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Uh, I noticed that uh, 
you mentioned that your online sales were up 19% year over year. Um, as we, you know, as we emerge from COVID, um, do you expect that that sales, like that, that sales growth is going to slow and, you know, we're going to see some negative growth rates in online, you know, because you're up against some big quarters. And I'm just wondering if you're seeing any evidence of that kind of trend. Uh, yes, yes, we are. Peter, thank you for the question. So, yes, you can expect online sales growth to uh, to slow down. Again, the growth this quarter came from additional capacity. As we as we cycle that capacity uh, quarter over quarter, uh, we expect uh, sales to decline. So, uh, versus the peaks of the pandemic, uh, still uh, sales remain elevated versus pre-pandemic. So, we clearly skipped a few years of e-com growth. Um, and uh, uh, but but you can expect that the, the e-com sales uh, should should come down a bit. Um, that said, I think we're very confident in our model. Uh, hub stores for for uh, the large uh, urban areas, excuse me, the dark store for the larger urban areas, the hub stores for the for the medium density areas where we can have delivery and, and click and collect in the rest of our stores. So I think we're well positioned uh, with our model to uh, capture uh, the demand that's out there, and we expect that demand to level off a bit from the from the peak of the pandemic. And lastly, Eric, uh, on the the dark store that I I believe you said you started ramping it in June. Are, I mean, is it too early to make any comments, or are there any learnings, or is there anything you can tell us about how you know how that model is performing versus the hub stores? So, you know, it opened in June in Montreal. Um, it's a ramp up there too, um, but we're pleased with the progress. Uh, we're using the same technology as we did in our hub stores. Uh, it's a more efficient uh, picking uh, uh, environment. Uh, it's a more efficient delivery environment. Um, so, so we're confident that we're gonna gain the efficiencies that we, uh, we are planning for. Uh, we're, not, uh, we're not there yet after a few weeks, but we, we, we are very confident that we will get there. Um, there are always learnings, so uh, every week uh, something uh, changes and we try to improve. The test and learn is, is, uh, is the, the norm in e-com, as you know, and we're continuing to test and learn and fine-tune to improve uh, the economics and improve the customer experience. The customer satisfaction scores that we're getting are, are, are pretty encouraging. Um, so, you know, the in-stock position, uh, the, the orders with uh, missing items. So all those metrics are improving in the dark store versus the hub stores, as we expected and as we hoped for. So um, we're looking for more of that uh, going forward. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Next question comes from Kenrick Chai with ATB Capital. Please go ahead. Thank you and good morning. Um, Eric, I wonder if you could help us uh, just understand perhaps on the cosmetic and beauty journey, you know, where are those businesses today versus where they were pre-pandemic? You know, in other words, how much room do you have to go to get back to prior levels? And how material, even just directionally from a margin perspective, could a recovery or let's call it normalized uh, cosmetic sales potentially be as we look through to 2022? So cosmetics uh, in our pharmacies grew nicely in the quarter uh, versus the same quarter last year. Uh, we expect that to continue going forward uh, as more and more people, I guess, return to work and return to the office. 
so I won't give you a number, um, but it, I think it's, uh, it's upside for sure in the front-end sales of our pharmacies going forward. Uh, we expect that category to, to do better, as it did this past quarter. Um, you have to remember that in our, in our front end um, at this time last year in pharmacies, we were selling a lot of COVID items like masks and gels at full prices. So uh, selling less of that. So that, that has, that's a bit of a headwind, headwind for our front end in, in pharmacy right now. But uh, cosmetics and confectionery and other departments, uh, we're confident are, are, are going to see some, some benefits. So uh, those are, that's, my, that's my answer. Thank you, Eric. And then just one other quick follow-up on consumer behavior. Can you provide any insight on across markets how different the responses may or may not have been um, in Ontario versus Quebec for consumers and the shift between full service and discount? Have you seen a, a more marked shift between channels in either market or how has the consumer response varied across your two markets and the channel shift varied across your two markets? So uh, I wouldn't call it a huge channel shift and a, and a huge shift between the two. I said earlier, we're seeing the, the general uptick in, 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 in traffic in the, in the discount stores or, or sales of the discount stores versus conventional stores in general, as we see in the, gen in, in the market, uh, in the whole market, um, you can expect that uh, discount should be advantaged going forward, whereas, whereas it was disadvantaged last year. So. I would just leave it at that. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. I'll leave it there. Thank you. Your next question comes from Mike and Van Elst with TD Securities. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, firstly, on the Veren DC, um, I know it's been open for a little bit now. Um, what has to be done between now and, I guess, the start of next year to, to get the $10 million in, in annualized savings? Well, uh, you know, it's operations and, uh, you know, the, the big decisions uh, and the big savings are, are, are made. Uh, we're going to be operating, we are operating from one DC as opposed to two. Actually, McMahon had a, another little DC in Quebec City, so we, 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 will, we will have that savings also. So it's, it's occupancy and it's fixed costs associated with uh, running a DC. And then the, the 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 labor is variable, so uh, there's not there's uh, you know there's a transfer of labor from one to the other. But overall, we expect to save about 10 million bucks a year in distribution. So everything is in place to to achieve that in our plan next year. So can some of it trickle into into Q4? Um, well, there there could be some yeah there yes. could be some benefit in, in Q4 yeah. Okay. And then COVID costs uh, definitely down year over year, uh, but they've been, I think, relatively stable lately. So, um, excluding the uh, the gift card bonuses, how much COVID costs do you expect to stick around long term due to the permanent changes in operating practices? Yeah, Michael, I, I'll, I'll take that one. Um, listen, I don't know about long term. It's uh, it's uh, it's hard to predict long term. I think. Looking in the short term, at least, uh, moving into the fourth quarter, uh, the way we see things, we expect COVID expenses will probably be, you know, max of $5 million a, a, a month uh, going forward in, in, the, in the short term, excluding gift cards. Okay, and those gift card bonuses, are, are they pretty much done? 
for now they, they they're, they're done and we'll have to see again it depends if uh, if we ever get back into a situation like we had uh, this year uh but but for now for now they're 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 behind us okay so i mean your, your two-year eps normalized eps growth is comfortably within your eight to ten percent eps growth target so yeah you, you must be happy with that but could we expect that can, the the pharmacy DC consolidation savings and the new food DCs to push that to your CAGR a little bit above your your normal targeted range in the coming over the next year or so, or is it just not meaningful enough from these savings? Well, that's the uh, so that's the plan. Uh, obviously, to, to be able to maintain our our, our targets that we give uh, to the street in terms of uh, profit growth, uh, whether it's uh, sales. Uh, uh, EBITDA, EBIT, and, and net earnings. Yes, the, that's, that's a plan that we uh, want to be make sure that we make the investments to be to be able to deliver at that eight to ten percent EPS growth a year. Uh, we'll have to see how the how the productivity uh, levels are, are are improving, how fast. But uh, that's that's a plan. But I will I will reserve I will reserve comment until we can actually demonstrate it. Okay. So the savings though on these programs are. To, to help you achieve the eight to ten percent, rather than yes. incrementing. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. It's a it's a way. Uh, yes, a, in terms of reduction in operating expenses and better in store service, that's that's these are all the investments that we make to make sure that we remain competitive and that we we continue to grow our earnings as we had in the past and uh, meet our financial targets. Yes. Okay. And just finally, um, your cash flows have been good, and your NCIB has been pretty active. And it looks like you know if you continue the pace you've done your, so far, you you would at a run you you'd hit that seven million dollar limit or seven million share limit uh, before November. Uh, are there are you expecting to kind of stop it and renew it um, to get more room, or or should we just expect it to continue to go to the seven million and then renew it in November? Well, we'll see. Uh, you're right. We're ahead of pace. Uh, almost six million done uh, out of a seven million program with a with a few months uh, ahead of us. So we'll see. Um, there's options uh, available to us. We haven't made that decision yet, but uh, that 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 could be a possibility. But for now, uh, as, as I said before, we will we will uh, finish the program, and uh, we'll see about uh, additional capacity. Uh, but we haven't made that decision yet. All right. Thanks very much. Yep. Thank you. Your next question comes from Patricia Baker with Scotia Bank. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning, everyone. I just have one uh, small question left. You referenced the fact that relative to last year, we opened uh, some of the services in the store, the hot meals and HMR. Um, what was the experience when you reopened those, you know, from a, a customer perspective? How quickly uh, did the customer pick up on, on those, those uh, categories? Uh, Patricia, so you know the HMR, the hot foods counters are, are back up, uh, but it's not uh, at levels of 2019. So they're, they're, they have reopened. The offer is uh, adapted to uh, to a, post a COVID environment, uh, but sales are, are are starting to are starting to to uh, increase, and we're happy about that. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll color that by saying uh, a lot of our HMR uh, sales are in urban stores. Uh, downtown Toronto, uh, downtown Montreal, and those stores, uh, traffic is is, is down, uh, especially this summer uh, um, uh, with restaurants opening up and people uh, leaving for vacation. Uh, th those those stores are, are quiet. 
So HMR, uh, which is a big part of their sales, is affected by that. Net-net, um, we see HMR trending up, continuing to trend up, and we expect uh, this fall to, to, to be at a higher level. Uh, will, we, will we be back to 2019? Not sure, but uh, we certainly expect uh, more sales uh, from our HMR uh, departments as, uh, as people come back, uh, come back to, to the city, students, office workers, and everything like that. Okay, thank you very much, Eric. Thank you. Your next question comes from Chris Lee with Desjardins. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. Just a, a few quick questions. Um, first one is, now that the uh, fresh DC in, in Ontario has been integrated, just wondering, you know, what is the timeline in terms of starting to achieve some of the efficiency and cost benefits? So uh, we're working very, very hard. The teams are, are uh, working extremely hard to ramp up productivity. So we're, we're, we're in that phase of uh, learning to work with a new system. It's, it's, it's semi-automated. It's not a fully automated facility, but it's semi-automated, which is new for produce for us. Uh, it's new period, but it's, it's, it makes it a little tougher in produce. Um, so we operated it with two warehouses for a while, transferring the store. So it, 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 there have been some costs, as we said in, in our remarks, of $8 million in the quarter. We expect some, some additional costs again in Q4, not, not at that level, but some costs. Uh, and we hope to, to be uh, back to, to our, our expected productivity um, for, for the new fiscal year. Again, it's, uh, it's execution, and, uh, and, and, and it's making all the adjustments to get there. So we're... we're Working really hard, like I said, to, to be uh, at the expected levels for, for the new fiscal year and, and improving from there. So we'll see, we'll see uh, how we do, and we'll, we'll keep you posted. But uh, that's, that's the plan. Okay, that, that's helpful. Um, maybe just to follow up on that, just to help us frame the opportunity um, from a cost perspective, would you say the opportunity is similar to the benefits that you're going to get from, uh, from the Jean Coutu DC integration of $10 million, just sort of ballpark? Well, the, the, the 10 million uh, Jean Coutu was part of an overall synergy uh, target. It was just not just uh, warehousing; it was uh, it was everything as GNA procurement, uh, warehousing, uh, which was part of the acquisition uh, business case. Um, it's it's it, 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 we take the same approach when we value these big investments. Is that we're looking for the same cash on cash return uh, on our investments, uh, whether it's the uh, the acquisition or whether it's the uh, a new warehouse. So. Same approach. Uh, you expect on the on the on the on the long term uh, term of that project to be earning that rate of return. So yes, at the end of the day, it's it's part of that, uh, trying to achieve that same rate of return and uh, the same uh, achievement on 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 our profit growth. Okay, that's helpful. And and just um, typically these type of benefits from the DC, you will will see them at the gross margin line. Is, is that correct? Both uh, the in-store benefits will be uh, in the gross margin, but the uh, the operating expenses will be uh, the the reduction in labor at the warehouse will be in the operating expenses. So it's across the the two uh, the two levers, but but a lot of it will be SG&A. Okay, got it. And and with respect to the frozen DC that's um, sort of com coming online in January of 2022, do you expect to incur similar one-time costs as you had with the fresh DC? Yeah, well, um, we, we, there's always, a, as I say, a ramp-up period. Um, I think it will be a simpler operation, the frozen DC. Um, 
so we're we're preparing and and doing everything we can to have a to have a successful transfer. Um, like I said, I, I I don't expect the same level of costs in the fro frozen DC next January, uh, but we'll see. Um, we're, we're planning and uh, working to uh, to minimize uh, the ramp up costs. Uh, there will be some, but uh, I don't think it's going to be uh, in the same uh, the same level as we're, what we're seeing in the fresh DC. Okay, great. And maybe a quick question on pharmacy. Eric, you mentioned in your opening remarks that I think the vac vaccination revenues did have an impact uh, during the quarter. Did that benefit show up in the prescription drug same-source sales number? Yes. And would you be able to just quantify for us, because I'm guessing that's probably not going to be recurring, at least to the same magnitude next quarter as vaccination slows? Um, well, we would have to get back to you on that, Chris. Uh, the, 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 the contribution of vaccinations to the Rx number is, is it's there, but I don't have a precise number. It, it's not that significant. No, no, it's not, okay. that, it's not that true. And my last question, more of a longer-term question, I think, Eric or Francois, you mentioned last call that you're exploring uh, maybe a launching an advertising platform to, to monetize your online business longer term. I was wondering if there's any update you can provide us on, on that um, initiative or plan. No, I said on the last call that uh, we're aware of some large retailers uh, were, uh, doing that or, or uh, planning uh, to monetize uh, their platforms for advertising. So it's something our marketing and digital teams are, are, are working on. Uh, no announcements to make. It's, it's on our radar screen, but we'll keep you posted. Great, thanks a lot. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. Mr. Kadash, you may proceed. Thank you all for your interest in Metro, and we will speak again soon to discuss our fourth quarter results on November 17th. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.